0: uh it's that week football is here. Is, this is monday september the 6th I, I i'm gonna be honest with you guys i had to dig deep into my pockets for this episode to get one of the guests because as you see matt that's who is there but i had to dig deep into my pockets guys this podcast is hanging on by a thread i have to start a kickstarter after this because i also have trust fund benefactor jared Silverclight in here with me fellas how are we doing are we ready to talk some nfc football
1: Oh, yeah, we're ready. I'm excited. And it's always a pleasure to be on the podcast, talking football. It's always a fun time. Happy to be talking to Jared and happy to be talking to you, of course, Griff. It's always always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on again.
2: Absolutely. When I heard you were doing an NFC Prediction show, I just had to come on to give the Trust Fund's extensive hot take on why the New York football Giants will become the first team to go 17-0 in the regular season and 20-0 overall. And
0: that, my friends, is trust. Fund approved. That, my friends, is salt in my salt in my wound. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, you I had it? to. I had to. I'm the Pats fan here. I'm like, I'm the guy who's not. A- I'm not really to any NFC teams. I'm in the AFC. But you know what? I'm the host, so I like to talk about. Because that's the thing I always like about doing this show is that I get to get perspectives on other people's teams and. Matt, I, I, like I want, we'll save the NFC East South for later, but I think I think we should start with the NFC East because it's honestly one of the more intriguing divisions this year. Because I feel like with the NFC East, and I feel like Jared can touch upon this, no one mm-hmm. exactly knows what we're going to get.
2: Yeah, um, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, last year uh, was. It, you know, through as the season was going along, people thought that it was one of the worst years, one of the worst um, single years for a division in recent, if not all-time, NFL history. I do think a lot of that was caused by injuries. I mean, you had Dak Prescott and the entire Cowboys offensive line going down. You had Saquon Barkley going down for the Giants. Um, the Eagles were just falling to pieces all over the place. And that really that opened the door for Washington to ultimately steal the division at seven and nine and get into the playoffs. But I do think with first of all, I would say every team, including maybe even Philly, has gotten somewhat better in the offseason and they will be returning players from injuries. And. From a leadership standpoint, I think that particularly the Giants and Washington have the right coaches in place. So I definitely think that this division is going to be a lot more competitive. I think that you're definitely going to see a winning record from the winner, and there might be multiple winners. I don't... Multiple playoff teams might be a reach, but there's going to be some good football coming out of this division. It could be a situation where they cannibalize each other and nobody really has a great runaway record but i definitely think that whoever wins this division people are going to look at them and say yeah that's a good team and they earned it
1: yeah i could see that um my thing with the nfc east is i i mean sorry to burst your bubble here but i feel i feel like it's just a two team race between the redskins and the cowboys uh the cowboys their offense was on a tear last last season before Dak got hurt, and part of it was because the defense was so trash. I think the defense will be marginally better, especially since they added Micah Parsons, who I'm hearing rave reviews about so far, but sometimes these linebackers take a year or so to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, you, see, you see Isaiah Simmons on the Cardinals. He didn't quite just, like, go crazy his first year. I mean, he was good, but he wasn't, like, amazing or anything, but... Um, I think the defense is still going to be a problem for the Cowboys. But as long as Dak's there, he should be able to keep them afloat. But speaking from experience, I know what it's like to play with a god-awful defense but have a great quarterback, and that can only get you so far. So I don't know about the Cowboys until I actually see how good their defense is. If it can just be like the 20th best defense in the league, I think they could win the division. Um, But the Redskins, I think, will also be really good. The defense will keep them afloat. It's just a matter of fact of what Fitzpatrick's going to do. This man has that gunslinger mentality. He mm-hmm. just goes out there, and he'll have a good game here, a good game here, and then a bad game the next day. Um, I think there's a stat out there that I heard that he just doesn't have, like, four really, really good games in a row. It's just always a couple games good, and then he has a bad game here. So. If the Redskins can kind of ride that wave and just have some of those bad games come against like really good teams and get that out of the way, that'll be good for them. But I think their defense is going to keep them afloat and they'll definitely, it'll it'll definitely be a contention. But if I had to pick a winner, it'd probably be the Cowboys.
0: I'm going to pick, I'm picking the football team to win this division just because of defense. I, I still have trust issues with the Cowboys because we don't really know. Like I think Zeke is the biggest question mark, and along with this defense, obviously, they're running a new defense. They're going to have that Seattle-schemed defense under Dan Quinn. I know that's kind of like overused now because we have so many people that have come from that brand, that tree branch, like Gus Bradley in Vegas, um, Joel Woods up in Seattle, Robert Sala even. I know he likes to add his little sprinkles here and there um, being different, but he did come from that tree. Um, Dak Prescott's injury that's a huge question mark for me not just the ankle but the rotator cuff too because I know obviously more of a baseball or a shoulder not a rotator cuff but Dallas for me I think they're gonna have I think Dallas is gonna have those moments where you know where it, like I'm getting my words mixed up I think they, if they get into too too many shootouts, that's a concern because they'll be one of those teams where it's like, hey, look, you look great for the regular season, but once the playoffs kick in, you've got to learn how to play defense because the way they look right now, and Matt, you know about this because you're kind of in that area. I know you're an SEC fan, but they have a big 12 team where it's like that explosive offense, but that defense that's kind of like suspect where, hey, they can either shut you down or they're going to allow 40 points a game. Um, and then moving on to Washington, like, I think as long as Fitzpatrick can play okay to decent, I feel like they'll like let the defense do a lot of work. Like, you know, win a lot of those, like, 20 to 17 games. So if you're a betting man, which I'm going to start more endorsing this year, responsibly, of course, take a lot of the unders if you're betting the football team. And with um, Jared's Giants, my only point, Mark, is more than anything, I want to see how Daniel Jones, like, if he can take that true third-year leap. You know, where it's like, we saw Josh Allen do last year. No, I'm not saying Daniel Jones has to be a... MVP caliber quarterback, but I think there's a lot of those like moments where, you know, he doesn't blow the game or he doesn't make a mistake under pressure. Kind of like what we've seen in years past, even a prime example last year was the infamous uh, fall against the Eagles on Thursday night football or, even A lot of people don't remember this, if they have to have their memory log, but you guys almost beat the Bucks last year. That's a, on Monday Night Football. That's just something of no because I remember going that yeah, due to that
2: game. Yeah, due to a questionable call in the end zone. And then it's funny you mentioned the Eagles game, because here, here is my problem with people's, not, not you guys, uh, now uh, yeah. most the experts, hot takes on the Giants. Daniel Jones sucks. Daniel Jones blows football games. Daniel Jones isn't the guy, and they will point to a game like the Eagles game and point to him tripping over his two feet and say, "Oh, the Giants lost, and look what numbskull did when he was when he had an easy touchdown." Well, guess what? The Giants scored a touchdown a few plays after that. And the reason they lost the game is because Jones lofted up an easy ball to Evan Ingram, who had separation, and it bounced off his hand. That's why the Giants didn't win the NFC East last year. It could be boiled down to that one play. And there were several other plays like that where Evan Ingram was the Giants' lead receiver. He, he was put in a position to be the Giants' number one overall receiver last year. So he was the guy that Jones was targeting on a lot of those game changing make or break moments. And he quite literally dropped the ball on numerous occasions. And now he's going to be like the fifth or sixth most depended on guy in this offense with the weapons that they've added. And I know that, you know, guys were banged up in the preseason, but it sounds like they're all going to be ready to go for week one, except for Kyle Rudolph with the foot injury, but it's going to be a completely different cast of characters for Jones to throw the ball to this year.
0: Exactly. There's going to be more ball distribution.
1: Yeah, that was the the thing. Oh, I'm sorry. And that was the thing with Daniel Jones going into it. I feel like this is his season, similar to what drew Locke had last season where they went out and got all these people. They got Kenny Galladay. They drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round, which might be a little bit questionable for quite a few people, which I'm not going to really get into that. But, I mean, they're trying to supplement him with enough weapons where they can't really be like, well, you don't have enough out there where you can't be blaming it on your weapon supply. So... It could end up like that, where it's just like, oh, he actually has to show up with what he has out there. And that's definitely the question mark for him. And for me, uh, looking at him as well, I want to see him put up good numbers with this team, especially with Saquon healthy. That's going to be a huge thing because Saquon, when he's healthy, he's one of the best running backs in the league, especially talent wise. This this guy's amazing. Um, It's just it's something i have to see um i have to see daniel jones do it and i'll definitely be interested in hearing griff's and big rat's takes when they watch him on uh, primetime
2: yeah and and to and to add on to that you know i think that the microscope was really dialed in on daniel jones last year because saquon missed the entire season and you you have to understand that like i'll come right out and say it if saquon is hurt or not performing up to his potential it is going to be impossible for the giants to be a good to great team this year they could maybe be an okay to decent team if that happens but they are not going to be a real top level threat if he's not playing his best football because this entire offense is built to run through him their success this season and how far they go is going to hinge on the offensive line continuing to develop, which they were last season. Once Joe judge took more of a hands-on approach with that group mid season after he fired Mark Colombo, the offensive line started playing a lot better. And Andrew Thomas has looked a lot better in preseason as well this year. And, If Barkley is healthy at full strength, performing up to his potential, he's touching the ball 20 plus times a game. And then that's where Jones is able to slide back into that game manager type role. He really, if the Giants are playing their ideal game script, he should not be throwing the ball more than 20 ish times. You know, kind of similar to Lamar Jackson over in Baltimore, where he doesn't, he's not too overexposed if they're playing their game. So their success this year, I think, is going to hinge on that. I guess I'll give my prediction while I'm on this tangent. I think that the Giants are going to take a few weeks, a couple months, I should say, to really get their footing. Um, But I like the way their schedule lines up for them down the stretch. Um, And the Cowboys in particular have a pretty brutal stretch to end the season with a lot of divisional games, including a a stretch where they play three straight road games. So I think it's going to be a photo finish um, for the East like last year, but a more respectable one. And I do think that the Giants are going to – ultimately coalesce. I see kind of similar to 2016 where they had a slow start, but found their footing. And I think that they're ultimately going to win this division with a record of about 10 and seven.
1: You
0: know what? That's my, that's my honest, that's my, uh, that's my uh, ceiling for the New York giants. I can see them finishing somewhere between like that seven and 10 mark to that 10 and seven mark where, you know what, if Saquon plays like an all pro MVP offensive player of the year, if Daniel Jones takes that stride, the offensive line is a very, another big subject because Let's not forget that. Mark Colombo tried to fight Joe Judge, and then Joe Judge basically told him to fuck off. Um, Yeah. My my one concern with Washington just going ahead, their last six games go Cowboys-Eagles, Cowboys-Eagles-Giants. The fact that you have got six uh, to five, five, excuse me, you have five divisional games to finish off the year. Yeah, Washington as well. No, 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 that's Washington.
2: Yep, yeah, Washington, yep.
0: Yeah, you guys, I'm just looking up yours, have... Uh, your last five are cow, uh, Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles, Bears, football team. So we'll see where the Bears are at that time. But you guys have – you guys are pretty – I like the way your schedule is more balanced. Like Washington just from basically week tw- uh, week 14 onward, it's purely divisional. And that can make or break your season. Um. Other news, just because you brought up Baltimore, one thing I wanted to report on is that Mark Andrews has agreed to an extent an extension with the Ravens, four years, fifty six million at fourteen million eight uh, annual per year, making meaning he'll make more money than any other tight end in the league over the next four seasons. So just something of note, and also too, it appears that and we'll talk about their division in a in a bit, but the Saints are close are probably going to sign Desmond Trufant to start the year. Just some mm-hmm. just some news I wanted to break. All right, but um, yeah. But um, but no, the Giants for me, like obviously, I have a bit of a, like I said before, salt in the wound with them, obviously, because cost me pain. But, um, <laughs> you know, one Giant player I'm kind of looking at to see if they can have a breakout year is Sterling Shepard. To be honest with you,
2: yeah, yeah, Sterling's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I think that uh, it, it's going to be, yeah. um, he's, he's going to have to fight for snaps. I think with Tony, um, and. Ingram as well, because I I think that really the way their their offense is going to be structured, um, it favors the two tight end set um, with Rudolph being able to function as that reliable blocker that kind of puts Ingram, Sterling, and Tony on that slot rotation. So they're just going to have to fight each other for snaps. Um, Then with Galladay and Slayton working the outside, Um, now that they have that certified number one receiver, you know, that's really going to put the pressure on everybody else to perform and show why they belong on the field. Um, I I do think that Jason Garrett's offense, if he's able to fully open up the play, does open up some really intriguing play possibilities for Shepard. Because I think that he's just going to be so much more effective on those jet sweeps than when they tried it with Ingram and it, it just laughably failed miserably last year. So I like Sterling too. We, we just got to see how, how well Tony plays and if he squeezes him out
0: for snaps. Um, Before Matt, you get in, I have a bit of a, I don't know if this is a hot take or controversial or not, but I think regardless how this year goes, um, Gettleman, I don't think we'll be leaving at the end of the year. Cause uh, look, a very sneaky move he made is you guys have two first round picks next year so we'll see where we'll, we'll see where that goes but that's just something to keep a note going forward I know I love talking draft too but man this is season we'll talk the draft in like in the next six months in, in six months yeah. from now but that's that's just something of note to make the scene where it's like hey remember these guys have picks where that bears that could be in the teens for all we know
2: could be in the teens or could could be top 10 I mean, I, I we'll talk about the North in a bit, but I, I think that the Bears uh, could be facing a pretty miserable uh, 21, in uh, just my opinion. And I think that, you know, if, so worst case scenario for both teams, I suppose, the Giants could be in a position where if there's somebody they need to get at number one, they could possibly make it happen next year. Of course, everybody should be praying that that's not the case and that Daniel Jones does take a leap forward. But... This is a make or break year for him. You know, I mean it, it's not to make any excuses for him. I think that like he this is the year where he finally has all of the opportunity that he needs and uh, we'll see if it um if it delivers or not, but if it doesn't, they have a backup plan. Exactly. And if I had to predict the order of the divisional finish, I'm going to go I'm going to go New York, Washington, Dallas, Philly. I think Philly's going to be far out of the race. Mm
1: -hmm. I agree with that. I'm worried about Philly because I'm not a huge Jalen Hurts guy. I mean, yes, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders absolutely tore up my Saints when we played them last season. That was one of those trap games that we ended up losing when Taysom Hill was the starter. So I, I I just don't know. I just don't know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. I don't know how his consistency will keep up and they traded for Gardner Minshew, who I think could low-key push him for the job because I mean, Gardner, when he was with the Jags, he put up numbers with a terrible uh, surrounding system just all around. I mean, the offense had some playmakers here and there, but for the most part, I mean, he was thrown a bad hand with a bad team after they pretty much went to the AFC championship, and everything kind of just crumbled from there, and he was just on a crumbling ship. And now that he's on a team where he can maybe push someone to be the starter, I think it could be possible. Because I mean, Gardner Minshew—he, some people give him some slack, but I mean, look, he put up some numbers when he's with the Jags, and he's going to push Jalen Hurts for that job at some point during this season.
0: With me, I just feel like Eagles fans. I've, I've seen Eagles fans thinking they're going to be ten and seventeen. Like I think their their best case scenario is six wins. Just I there's this is if you're an Eagles fan, and I know Marquine was supposed to be part of this podcast, but he had something come up. This year for Eagles fans, I think a lot of Eagles fans will admit it. I think that they know that deep down, it's going to be a bad, not a bad season, but there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be moments where you realize, hey, this just isn't our year. Like, you, we don't know how, we don't know what the Nick Sirianni offense is truly going to look like. Uh, I do like Shane Steik in there, but at the same time, so you don't know. And they're still an aging team, but I still think that Devontae Smith is going to have a good year. It's just mm-hmm. a big who's a quarterback. But if I'm an Eagles fan, this is one of those years where, like the Jets, you're looking ahead to 22 and beyond.
1: I yeah, I,
2: I totally I totally agree with that. Uh, personally, I was getting Adam Gase vibes during next Riani's intro press conference. I don't have any confidence in him as the head coach of this team. He came across as clueless. He's a first-time head coach. I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. It's a roster in repair. There are th- – this team, I mean, it seems like every single year half the team gets hurt, particularly on the offensive line. They always seem to struggle on in that front. Um, and then, like, you know, Darius Slay, they got him last year, and he was freaking terrible. Um, Devonta Smith, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some flashy plays from him. Um, but yeah, I don't really trust the quarterback situation. I think that Minshew is going to push him. I think that you're going to see, I, it would not surprise me at all to see, um, them alternating throughout the season. Like, it's just going to depend on who looks good in practice on a certain week. Um, but I, I think that both of them have potential, but I just don't, I think that they're both kind of at that same level of like, all right, well, maybe we can kind of work with this. And then some weeks it's going to be the other guy's week, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I just think they they play in a more competitive division uh, that has, um, you know, much more physical defenses than they do um, better offensive lines than they do. And more importantly, better head coaching than they do. So bottom of the barrel.
0: I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that, but anyway, um, you know, first off we started off with Jared's division just because it's very intriguing, but moving on to the NFC South right now and Matt, before we talk about your guys, I think we're all in favor of who's going to win this division this year. I, think there, I don't think there's any questioning about it, that it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll pitch, baby. That's God, we're going to look stupid if
0: that happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding, folks. I think we're all in agreement that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this division.
1: Unfortunately. Maybe <laughs> closer than you think.
0: That's that's the thing. I think I feel like everyone thinks Tampa is gonna be like this sixteen and one like juggernaut powerhouse, but I honestly can see them. They're go- I think they're gonna have moments last year. Like remember the Bears game, how there was that meme where Brady was doing the like the three, but then it was actually the fourth down, and that ended up that's when they lost. Yeah. The game. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw another moment against a weaker team this year where they just catch people off guard because. One thing of note last year, I like look. I was going to say, look at the Kansas City Chiefs from last year. They were fourteen and two, but they almost lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Raiders once. They almost lost them twice. They almost lost the Broncos, the Chargers, um, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Saints. There was a lot of games where the, the Chiefs actually, for those folks at home who gamble, they were seven and nine against the spread. Jacksonville had the exact same spread record. So I honestly don't think Tampa is going to be this team where they come in, you know, every week they just basically come in, whoop ass and leave or the quote stone cold Steve Austin, arrive, raise hell and leave. I think you're going to see a lot of close games with these teams. Like one of my hot takes for this Thursday's game is, I think they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, but I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to cover that 7-point spread.
2: Mm. um I think that uh I think the Bucks will win that game by multiple scores, but I do agree with your overall take on the team this year. Um, here's the thing the Bucks are a very well-rounded team, but yeah, when you look at the, a lot of their games last year, um, particularly the ones against better competition, they didn't necessarily blow a lot of teams out of the water and it's not like, see Tom Brady. Yeah. He had great numbers last year. I mean, to do what he's doing right now in his mid forties is really impressive, but we have to keep in mind that for much of the season, his accuracy, accuracy with the deep ball was questionable at you know at best right i mean they're playing their game and he's able to first of all their defense was very turnover happy and cut the field in half a lot and then you look at those playoff wins against the saints against the chiefs in the super bowl it's like the guy's getting to work with short fields uh, you know completing a lot of low risk passes and his stats were more inflated by some of those blowouts against bad teams like the lions and with his age the drop off could come at any moment. That's why I actually, <laughs> I was a, uh, I was actually a little hesitant to take Godwin in the fourth round of one of my drafts, just because of thinking, oh, you know, <laughs> we're dealing with a mid forties quarterback here, like we saw with Peyton Manning. It came out of freaking nowhere, right? So, and, and Roethlisberger, I think the bottom's about to fall out any seconds. So, gotta keep that in mind. I think there's still just too much talent to deny them the division crown, but it could be a photo finish with new orleans i think with both of them maybe in that 11 win range 11 12 12 being the ceiling i think that's the ceiling to this team
1: Uh, i'll get to the saints here in a little bit because i'm probably gonna rant on them for a while
2: (laughs) um and that's got a lot of problems with you people and now you're gonna hear about them
1: (laughs) (laughs) As, as as far as the bucks go i think this is going to be your Tom Brady might honestly win MVP. I'm not, I'm not lying here because if you look at Bruce Arians every year that he has a quarterback in his first year, they throw more interceptions than normal and they don't perform as well. Mm. The second season is normally when things get a little bit better. And plus this team has so many offensive weapons they are so deep across the board on defense as well, which may be the one thing that kind of hurts him in his MVP conversations. The defense might play so well that he doesn't have to put up numbers. And the fact of it is they got hot towards the end of the year. And I think they're going to maintain that because that's just how it works with Brady and how it works with all this, all these teams. It took a minute to gel together because they're all new. They're under Brady system or pretty much Brady system at this point. Cause I, f- I feel like towards the beginning of the year, they're just mainly going under Bruce Arians. And then as Tom got more comfortable, they switched over to having Tom run it more, uh, more or less. Um, my other main thing with the Bucks is the fact that um, dang, well, I, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're, I think they're going to lose three games. That's what I got them going. Probably losing three, three to four games is around the threshold that I have them with uh, this season.
0: Um, I just want to jump in quickly. Like when I say like, oh, I think the Bucks are going to be this. I'm just saying that because as a Patriots fan, I know a lot about this. Where we have the year where we win the Super Bowl. You know, we look awesome towards the end of the year. But then every year we do, it, it, expectations kind of like don't pan out. That's why I'm only saying what I'm saying. I'm not saying it because like, oh, I'm a salty Pats fan and I hates Tom. No, I love Tom. I wish nothing but the best for him. But my only thing is that I'm just saying here. I don't. I'm not. I'm not expecting the box to go out there and you know blow the doors off everyone every week. I'm expecting them to be a good team. I think. Twelve to fourteen wins is what they're going to ultimately end up doing, like twelve and five or fourteen and three. But when you look at it, though, I feel like they're going to be challenged a lot this season too. Where teams, you know what, are going to put them have the have the buck circled on the calendar week four in particular, for obvious reasons.
1: (laughs) That's true, and I remember an analogy I was going to make earlier. uh, It left my mind. Um, We remember when. uh, Peyton Manning went to the Broncos. It took them a little while to get going. Then the year after, Peyton Manning was lighting up the record books. I think it's going to be similar to that.
0: And then you got asked ass kicked in the Super Bowl in MetLife Stadium.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think, I see a lot of challenging games on the Bucs' schedule. Um, and I also, I have to mention this, I think that the NFC South, the rest of that division is a little underrated. I think that the Falcons and the Panthers are both going to surprise people. It's funny, we were rag on atlanta to open this video but or this podcast but i actually could see because atlanta's always been a back and forth team and i i didn't really see much of a drop off from matt ryan last year and the fact that you know um losing julio jones but replacing him with potentially a generational offensive prospect in kyle pitts to complement calvin ridley and russell gage i think that they are that team's always a threat to score. And I mean, they should have beaten Dallas last year. There's a couple other big leads that they blew as well. I think that they were a a lot better than four and 12. And they always seem to be back and forth in that regard. You've got the Panthers who they've got a good coach. I like rule. I like that what they're building over there in terms of defense. I know a lot of people are not confident in Darnold, but they didn't have McCaffrey for a lot of last season. And they have a good group of receivers despite losing Curtis Samuel. I think that, You know, are they necessarily going to be playoff teams? No, but I do think that we could see a a cannibalization scenario that a lot of people are not expecting, and I think that that's going to dilute everybody's record. It wouldn't surprise me if nobody in this division comes out with a bye.
0: Can I be honest with you? Yeah. And this is my hot take. The Carolina Panthers are my team to, like, have that breakout where, you know what, at the end of this season you're saying – they're gonna be good. I expect Arnold to have a career year. Now I know that's not saying a lot, but I feel like with Dude, Joe look Brady at who he's working with, yeah. He, he goes from Rob Adam Gates to Joe Brady. That's like going from a beat up old 1984 Toyota to a freaking – like for like not like a Ferrari when it comes to offensive football minds. Like yeah. we saw what Joe Brady did with Joe Burrow, for fuck's sakes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah mean. You got a better coordinator, better head coach, McCaffrey. Like, you know, top five player in the league. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Like, this is
0: completely
2: different from the one he had to work with in New York. The, the quarterback cesspool. Like, they couldn't make anyone
0: good. Like, even, two, uh, Terrace Marshall from LSU is a receiver. I'm excited they'll see. Um, I think Brian Burns and Jeremy Chin, two very underrated defenders in this yes. league. Yes. Right yeah. Like, I'm I'm saying, I, I, I think the Panthers, like, my record for them is, like, I think, like, the same as the Eagles, like a, like a little bit better. Probably, I'm going to say like a 6-11 and 11 or a 7-10. and 10, But I think there's a couple games on their schedule that they're going to catch some teams off guard. Like, they're going to win a game or like, like, you know how we were talking about it with the NFS, like I said with the Bucs, uh, Jared, where the Monday Night Football game last year with the Giants, where just, there's going to be a game where I feel like where the Panthers are a... Like an eleven or a twelve point underdog, but they win by they lose by three, so they cover. Like there's gonna be a couple moments like that with the Panthers this year. I feel like where oh, oh, dude, you lose, but I, I you lose that, with dignity.
2: Yeah, I have that Panthers Giants game circled as the what the fuck? How the fuck did we fucking lose this game? Game of the year, where like you you know what I mean? And I feel like there's gonna be moments like that when they face some other teams as well. I I could see like you know eight nine from them honestly.
0: Just my thing with the um the Falcons is. With Matt Ryan, I feel like if Matt Ryan plays like MVP Matt Ryan from 2016, they can get there. But at the same time, we'll see what happens. I'm excited to see Arthur Smith. It's just their their defense is the concern for me. They're they're they don't really have that good of a defense. So I still feel like it's going to be, you know, an electric offense. But they're going to be in some. I feel like they could be in some shootouts this year and that. I feel like this their matchup with Philadelphia Week One is going to be a true indicator for both teams on where they're going to go. I know it's a very early thing to say, but I feel like that game's gonna that's what that game represents for me.
2: Um, I I would agree with that. Go on, go ahead, Matt.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Um, As far as the other two teams in the division besides the Bucks and my Saints, of course, I think the Panthers. They're going to have troubles. Their offensive line is not good at all. Um, We we all remember the quote where Sam Darnold thought he was seeing ghosts. He's going to be thinking that again this year. And granted, his weapons are going to be better. So there's probably going to be a lot of dump-offs to McCaffrey, a lot of throws to DJ Moore in the slot. Um, They don't really have a capable tight end there. I'm not really big on Dan Arnold or Ian Thomas, so I don't think that's really going to help them as much. But uh, I think there's going to be some pains there. And Joe Brady, he, he might be able to coach him out of it and keep sam darnold decent at best but honestly think teddy bridgewater was probably the better guy and they got rid of him and i think there was just that offensive line just couldn't compete up and it's just going to be a problem for sam darnold even though he has all these weapons which it's it's a really good uh depth chart of weapons i, I would be very glad if my team had um some of the weapons that they have but i, I think it's just going to be an issue for them so I mean, I feel like they're not really going to – I think there's going to be marginal improvements, not a huge step up. You can see it, but I think they're going to have issues next year when Joe Brady's inevitably probably going to get a head coaching job somewhere because I think he'll have the offense looking good enough where people can be like, hey, look, this guy, he was getting calls last year. We're going to give him some calls this year, so let's get him in there somewhere. Um, I, I can't pinpoint a job that I would think he could maybe go to off the top of my head. but Denver Broncos. Yeah, the Denver Broncos that that's a really good one, a Griff. That's a good one. Um I mm, could also maybe yeah. see I could also maybe see the Bears if they shit the bed this year. Um there there's a couple different teams you could see for sure. And then as far as the Falcons go, look, they're the Falcons. They've had inconsistent inconsistency issues year over year. Of course, they've changed their head coach. I'm going to miss Dan Quinn. He gave us twenty eight to three jokes. I will always uh love that. Second best Super Bowl ever. Um <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely appreciate the Patriots for winning that one, but um, with, I mean, the loss of Julio Jones, like jerry was saying earlier, it's, it's gonna be big. Getting Kyle Pitts c- should be a big one. Um, there there is always questions because some of these tight ends have a hard time adjusting in their first couple years in the NFL. But like you was saying, Kyle Pitts is a generational talent at tight end. And he's going to be lining up all over the place. Considering who else they have at wide receiver, just outside of Calvin Ridley, I'm, I mean, Russell Gage looked good in the couple games that Julio Jones didn't play last year. But I mean, I'm not too big on the guy. So I think it's mainly just going to be the Calvin Ridley and um, Kyle Pitts show. Their running game's not going to be very good because I mean, Mike Davis he has uh, stability concerns con- performing, especially over a 17 game span. And I think the Falcons defense is going to be inconsistent. And I just don't see that these two teams performing too great. I'm not going to say they're going to be like one of the worst teams in the conference or anything. But their ceilings probably eight wins, if I'm being honest with both of them. And their floor could be even lower, maybe four wins to five wins.
2: I would agree with that. Yeah, I I think that like that's probably. Yeah, I mean, I don't think either of these are playoff teams for sure. But probably a little bit they were in that four to five win range last year. So yeah. it'd it like to think that there would be a step forward there. But uh but your saints, Matt. Uh, I know you've been waiting to unleash. Uh
1: <laughs> Okay. Um go. It's probably it's probably gonna be a little long winded, kinda like how Big Rat was with his dolphins on your AFC podcast, but neither here nor there. He had some good stuff to say about his dolphins, so OK, with the Saints this year, of course, the big thing going into it, and I've never paid this much attention to a Saints camp before because there is the huge thing of who's going to be the quarterback. Is it going to be Taysom Hill or is it going to be Jameis? A lot of people kept saying T- uh, Taymus or Jason. It was it was all crazy stuff. Everybody was mi- mixing up their names. But from the get go, you could kind of see that, oh, Jameis Winston is having more better practices, but he couldn't string it along where he was having multiple good practices in a row. So it kept the competition honest and it kept, it kept it where Sean Payton kind of said to Taysom, Hey, look, I'm going to give you an honest crack at getting the starting job because he went into this season he normally has his body meant to play multiple positions because that's how Taysom works. Is he's a multiple positional guy, and that's I think also another wrinkle into this. Where if he had won the job, you wouldn't have had that guy that can play tight end or slot out wide at wide receiver at some point and block a couple plays. I don't think he's really going to be on special teams as much this year, but, um, but yeah, I mean, Jameis, he definitely won the job in that Jaguars game. He was. Dotting up the Jaguars' defense, which I mean isn't a huge <laughs> big thing, but um, the Jaguars were actually playing like they were actually scheming to play a game like it was actually a regular season game. I think mainly because it's a new coaching staff and they're trying to get adjusted to everything, so I think that had a, something to play into it. But um, Jameis looked fantastic, and that was definitely the night that he won that job. Um, Another thing with the Saints right now that is topical is they just had a hurricane come through and they are expecting to not be around um, for the first month of the season or so. That's what the expectation is. And they're practicing out of Dallas. The Green Bay game is going to be in Jacksonville. Um, They definitely did not want to go up to play in Green Bay and give Green Bay an extra home game. So that wasn't going to happen. So I think all this uh, traveling and stuff could hurt them a little bit. Um, especially when you play a team like the Packers, which is going to be really good. Um, So there's definitely concerns with that part of it. Um, Another part of my concern is with COVID, the salary cap definitely got hurt, and that definitely hurt their plans to keep people. Like they had to let go of Janoris Jenkins, who was a fantastic uh, second cornerback for us because it's been a revolving wheel at that corner position outside of marsh and latimore we went to ken crawley who is now actually with the team right now and if he was not hurt right now he'd probably be our starting corner which he still might play week one so he's probably going to be the starting corner it's what it's looking like and then we went to um giants uh cornerbacks eli apple and then janora shinkins so eli apple he played good for a little while then we had to let him go and then go to janora shinkins who played really well so that's definitely going to be something that hurts us. Um, if I would have done things differently, I probably would have cut Latavius Murray, especially seeing how he's been in the preseason and kept Latavius Murray with that extra extra cap savings, but that's neither here nor there at this point. We did draft Paulson Adebo to play corner. Um, he could be a good guy there. Um, he, he showed promise, and it, it's just going to be a revolving door at that corner position. Defensive tackle is also going to be pretty huge. David Onyemata suspended. Griff's guy to Canada, really good defensive tackle. Um, I I expected him to have, yeah, I expected him to have a really good season, but with this suspension, it's going to hurt. And I mean, he's so good. You can put him at D end and he was, he was getting pressures constantly. Granted it was on the Jack, uh, again, the Jacksonville Jaguars thing where their O line was terrible looking when they played the saints. But I think our D line outside of, I think our defensive ends are really deep. Our defensive tackles are, really weak um we had an undrafted free agent from last year jalen dalton he was scheduled to be the starter but he got hurt so it's not looking good there at all but uh, as a whole i will say the roster in some spots has been hurt because of the covid affecting the salary cap and us not being to keep people and we had to gut some parts of the depth at the depth chart for instance wide receiver is going to be hurt because we had to let go of emmanuel sanders And right now, our Mm. biggest guy there is Traquan Smith, who a lot of people are probably like, oh, he's just the guy who comes in and does deep passes every now and then. But I think another wrinkle in that is the fact that over the past five years, I would say, five, four years, Drew Brees, his arm is obviously diminishing. He was still so amazing with the short passing game and how they executed it. But now the Saints are going to have to keep teams honest with Jameis' arm, which is really good talent. It's just the fact of can they keep the interceptions down with this guy since going 30-for-30, which, uh, like I said earlier, first year in Bruce Arian's system, I think that hurt him a bit. Um, He also got lazy guy surgery, which could be a huge factor in that. We don't know how much that will help, but I think the fact that he's in Sean Payton's offense, he learned from Drew Brees about turning over the ball a little bit less and being more efficient with targets. And just seeing some of the decisions he's made in the preseason, where he will actually dunk the ball off into the flats to a running back instead of trying to throw it in a double coverage, could be good. But yeah, I'm gonna. I, I might have a little bit more to say, but I want to hear what you guys have to say on my Saints.
0: Jared, the floor is yours.
2: I. Yeah, I mean the, the Saints have definitely been dealt a bad hand in terms of uh, you know with the the hurricane situation and. You know, starting with Michael Thomas, uh, you know, kind of gutting the receiver room a little bit. Uh, there's definitely been a pullback in terms of um, of skilled players on offense and defense. Uh, Matt, I'm glad you touched on the corner situation, which I was actually not uh, fully aware of the the entire extent of what they've been dealing with lately. Um I, I have it really for me. It comes just down to faith in the head coach. You know, I think you guys sold the right leadership. Still got a steady hand. Um, I think that, um, this offense is going to have to be a little less explosive than usual, but if Alvin Kamara is really up to the task of putting this team on his back, um, and, you know, being, you know, everything we know he can be in this league. Um, I think that the saints are, I don't know if they're going to quite do enough to push Tampa for the division, but I still think that they can sneak into the playoffs. Um, there are, it's, Definitely going to be challenging uh, with uh, you know depending on how far they wind up being away from home. Um, and there are some challenging games in the middle of their schedule. Um, really strewn throughout actually, and and, it, and a lot of it could you know depend on how competitive Carolina and Atlanta are this year. If they are still experiencing you know growing pains and uh, you know if their deficiencies really come to light and those become easy wins for New Orleans, that's going to greatly improve their playoff chances. Um, I, I think that this team uh, will ultimately finish uh, in maybe about 10 wins. Um, it It's definitely going to be challenging. Uh, you know, I, I don't see them winning a lot of games by multiple scores, but we have to, again, still keep in mind that despite their drawbacks, despite all the, the adversity they've been dealing with, they still have one of the best coaches in the league. They still have one of the best players in the league um, and if they're playing their game and he's able to, and Alvin Kamara is that bell cow, you know, I think that's going to be enough to win the majority of their games. Maybe not enough for them to be a great team, but a pretty good team.
0: You know, I'm going to go cause I'm Jared. I don't know if you know this, not my father and sister actually are saints fans. So I kind of have a, a quasi fan of the team. um, so my two cents is because I feel like if I say the wrong thing, my dad will smack me in the head. <laughs> but um, my big thing with the Saints this year is obviously look, there's all the burden's obviously quarterback. I honestly think Jameis Winston's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, obviously the Michael Thomas thing just hinder things, I know a lot of people call Taysom Hill like just a, like a fantasy pain in the ass because when you need those AK-41 touchdowns, which I have them on two rosters this year, and I'm expecting a big year out of them. You want him to score, but you don't like you. They go to Taysom. I feel like Sean has the perfect thing. I feel like the whole rumor was because I feel like a lot of people thought that Taysom was like you know this puppet that Sean invented, where it's like he wants this to work because it's his guy. Like Taysom is like a, like a a monster that he created in a factory, like like a Frankensteinish. That's <laughs> that's how I feel like the way that Sean Payton views. um Sean Payton views Taysom. But Jameis is the logical choice. Um I, I think this team is gonna surprise some people. I, I have them making the playoffs. I think they're gonna be a I think nine and eight to eleven and five. I think that's where they're gonna be. I think there's gonna be a couple games where you know, hey, we should have won, but maybe you lost or a couple of mistakes here and there. Kind of what ha- unfortunately, Matt, what happened in the divisional game. I could see similar instances to that happening. But all in all, I'm not going to write this team off. The only thing I'm going to say is, is, look, as long as they lose week three in and, and Gillette Stadium, apart from that, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. Besides that, I'll be kind of rooting for you guys because I know the Saints are always that underdog. Um, but with the hurricane stuff, obviously, we're out here hoping the best for everybody that listens to this mm-hmm. from the state of Louisiana. But the way that the schedule is broken up to where you guys open week one against Green Bay, obviously the game's in Duval County now in Jacksonville. But week 2 and 3 are on the road in Carolina and obviously in New England. But I feel like Week 4 against the Giants is a game where you guys could return home. Like, that's the big homecoming. Which, yeah. th- that's a matchup here for you two. But all in all, I feel like the Saints are going to have a pretty decent year. Like, you guys still have Cam Jordan. Um... Keith Warner from Ohio State's a player I'm fascinated to look at. Um, I'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just fascinated to see how he's looked. I haven't seen too too much of the Saints camp stuff. Uh, how is uh? I want to I'll pick your brain too about Peyton Turner. Um, and even even you know, what I think too? Market Marquez Callaway. Um, mm-hmm. just my only question right now is tight end with obviously the Nets. not exactly like your. I feel like tight end for since Jimmy Graham left is been a void. You've been trying to fill because Jared Cook's been so up and down. But for the like, if you want to vent more of the players there, Matt, that's just that's just my too honest a sense about the team is that look, they're not going to be bad, but they're not going to be this like team that's vying for the number one seed in the NFC. That's that's just me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I, I'll, I'll predict the record towards the end, and which the scary thing is I've actually predicted the record right two years in a row so far. Which I mean, it's not too hard thirteen and three, twelve and four, um, considering all the talent they had and their talent's still really top heavy. And like you're saying with Pete Warner last year or this, this season we drafted him in the second round out of Ohio state. Um, Linebacker has been an issue for this team outside of Demario Davis, who I've said multiple times. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the league easily. Um, The the second linebacker has always been the issue and we don't really play three linebackers because we always have a nickel Chauncey Gardner Johnson on the team. We have, we played three safety set for the most part. So we don't really ever have multiple linebackers on the field. So we don't need, three linebackers. We just need a second one. And we've had trouble trying to find that second one. And we traded for Quan last year, who played pretty good. And he's back with the team now after the Achilles injury, which is crazy. He's actually going to be playing week one and he tore his Achilles in December. So that's insane. The recovery speed on that. And I'm happy to see that. I don't know how much he will play because, um, you have Pete Warner and Zach bond who actually, um, I I thought he was a dead project because he was a pass rusher in college we drafted him, and we put him at linebacker, and before the season started, before we signed Quan, Pete Werner was penciled in as a starter, but Pete got hurt, and that, that's actually a thing with some players here. I mean, you've had injuries in these practices already. Trey has been hurt and hasn't practiced or, or played in any preseason games. Peyton Turner, he's been he's he's looked good when he's practiced, but he's been hurt, so that's another issue, and um, Pete Werner got hurt, and he pretty much lost his starting job because Zach Bond's pretty much ahead of him in the depth chart now because... He's He's been one of the offseason MVPs. I'd probably have it Marcus Davenport, Marquez Calloway, and then Zach Vaughn. Um, Marcus Davenport, since we traded two first for him, the Saints uh, fan base affectionately calls him Marcus two first because he has not uh, lived up to those two first-round picks. Technically, it's one if you think about it in the way you just give up the one in the future to move up. But that's neither here nor there he's should he stay healthy and that's been his issues um he is going to light it up last year you had trey hendrickson lighting it up on the defensive line i think it's gonna be marcus davenport this year should he stay healthy um he's been a monster in the preseason he's just been in the backfield on all multiple plays and i think that's going to definitely be his wheelhouse this year and I just need him to stay healthy, and if Peyton Turner can get healthy, I think he'll come in there too in a rotational way because I think some defensive ends like Cam Jordan might have to slide inside a lot because, like I was alluding to earlier, defensive tackle depth is really weak. Um, alluding to some players on offense that could pop, I, I alluded to Marquez Calloway earlier. You asked about him. I think he, he could be really, really good. He's been the preseason superstar on offense. He had the two touchdown connections with Jameis Winston in the preseason game, and it's not like he's been going up against weak competition. He's, he's drawn the, the main corners on the Jaguars with C.J. Henderson. He's went up against Marlon Humphrey on the Ravens, and he was making plays against these guys. So granted, he was an undrafted free agent last year. He had a really good game last year when Michael Thomas was hurt. Um, I think it was against the Panthers. I want to say he had a really good game against them, but... I think he's going to show up and be definitely a factor. And I think him and Jameis are going to hook up quite a bit, mainly because the Traquan Smith connection hasn't been able to build much this offseason since he's been hurt a lot. Um, As far as tight end goes, I think um, a lot of people were, including myself, because I've been holding on to Adam Troutman. I'm like, okay, Jared Cook's going to be gone after next year. Let me go ahead and get this tight end because, as everyone knows, Jameis loves to throw the tight end. But um, it's not been Adam Troutman. It's been Jawan Johnson, who was a wide receiver, um, converted tight end. He was an undrafted free agent last year. And we've converted him to tight end. And there's been definite mismatches there, and he's played really well. So I think he could be a sleeper tight end if you just want to punt. Uh, I know some most people have gotten their drafts out of the way, but he's going to be on the waiver wires in most drafts. And I think he could be a sleeper tight end that you could have if you just don't want to have – one of the big bigger tight ends like top 10 guys and if you just want a guy who can maybe get you like eight maybe nine to ten points a week you could probably pick up jawan johnson and get by with that but um that, that's kind of how i'm feeling as far as the record goes i'm going to say and i've been going back and forth with this um before all the injuries with david onyamada getting the suspension. Um, The Saints not really solving corner. And like you said, Desmond Trufant got signed today. So that could be something to watch out for. He could be a guy who could compete there at that second spot. Um, But with all the issues of depth and suspensions and injuries going into it, I have the Saints going 9-8 and right now. I'll have them competing for that seventh wildcard spot which I think is going to be very hard because we'll get into that later because there's a certain division that's ama- that's just stacked in the NFC that's going to give me concerns. But right now I have them 9 and 8, so we'll, we'll see if I go do, go three years in a row with predicting their record right.
0: let will see about <laughs> that. All righty. And then moving on, I'm, I feel like that division you brought up, we're going to save that for last, obviously, because there's a lot to uncover with that division. Mm-hmm. But next, we're going to talk a little bit NFC North, where there's there's a little bit of drama percolating, because I feel like besides one team, the uh... rest, you, no, 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 I'm saying with Detroit, Detroit is the one team. Yeah. Because Detroit, like, just to get it out of the way, this is a year where, look, if you, go, you win four or five games. Um, I feel like you're going to see a lot of Dan Campbell. But at the same time, too, I think this is a big year for DeAndre Swift to break it. Not to break out, but to kind of establish himself as RB1 going forward with Detroit. But still, you, you got Jared Goff, a quarterback, a brand new head coach. Um, also do Aaron Glenn coming over from the Saints as well. But with Detroit, it's a big where it's just like you want to see them. But at the same time, too, you know there's there's going to be a lot of pain this year in the Motor City once again.
2: I actually think that Detroit is a little a little unsung this year. I'm not going to go – like, here's the thing. Their schedule this year I think is really unfavorable. But if it was softer, I mean, this really could have been a sleeper team this year. Here's the thing. The Lions spent a decent chunk of change in the offseason. Like, ownership is clearly trying to make this team better. And I also think that, okay, we all – Think Sean McVay is an offensive guru, and all that was holding him back was Jared Goff. But I mean, it's not like Jared Goff is far removed from absolutely lighting up the league the year that the Rams went to the Super Bowl um, just a couple of years ago. They have one of the you know better offensive lines in the league for sure. They you know TJ Hawkinson, recent first round pick. You like to think there's something there. DeAndre Swift again. You'd like to think there's something there. They they're certainly when they drafted him, they were expecting him to be. Um, um kind of a centerpiece for that offense. They're thin at wide receiver, yes, but I think they got a good head coach, a, a guy that players have always gravitated towards, Dan Campbell. And I mean, there's talent on the defense. And obviously Okuda played terribly last year, but that's another guy where top three pick. He there there's certainly the expectation that the that some of these guys are gonna play better than they have in the past. So I mean, i I'd say that. There could be some bright spots this year. I don't see a winning record, but I don't necessarily want to relegate them to picking number one overall like most of the league seems to think. I I don't see this being a Houston Texans-level catastrophe by any means.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. They got talent on defense. You know, Okwara, Brockers, Collins, they got guys that can make plays on defense.
0: I'm excited, too, to see how Ouzurike uh, from Washington is going to look. Um, Amon Ross, St. Brown's going to be a good receiver for them. So, like, they, they've got pieces, but it's just one of those things where I – when I say growing pains, because, like, I look at their schedule, their first three games, versus San Francisco at Green Bay, versus Baltimore, like, that's – I'm sorry if you're kind of staring 0-3 down the barrel, but I feel like – Probably you know what? You know what I think they're going to be? I, like, what's a team to reference? Huh. Um, I, I just think there's there's going to be moments where, like, hey, they may surprise some people and, like, kind of catch a couple teams off guard. Kind of like what the Bengals were last year. Like, you know how they were looking before the Burrow injury?
2: Yep, that that's actually the team that I was going to reference, but it's kind of going to be the opposite in terms of, like, um, whereas the Bengals impress stuff from, like, an offensive, like, uh, you know, air show perspective. I think that, like, that's not necessarily going to be the Lions winning script this year, but the same idea of, you know, kind of being that like, a sleeper team that, yeah, they're not a playoff contender yet, but you can see that there's progress being made.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Anthony Lynn is going to have the offense looking pretty good. I think he'll be better as an offensive coordinator than a head coach. Aaron Glenn, defense coordinator, he used to be secondary coach for the Saints. I think he was really good in what he did because multiple times we would have one of these other corners coming in mid-season, and he would coach them up and get them ready. So maybe we will see Okuda playing better this season, um, thanks to a better coach there. But as far as the whole picture with the Lions, I think they're going to be pretty bad. Like you said, Jared, they're not going to be Texans bad, but they're going to be like three to four wins bad is what I think. Because, I mean, you you definitely downgraded at quarterback, I think. Because, I mean, Jared Goff, his problem is – Um, he had Sean McVay in his head headset pretty much telling him what to do. Um, and then the defenses would figure that out and be like, Hey, let's switch things up with the line and switch things up and switch coverages. So Jared Goff will not recognize it because he has trouble reading defenses. And without that, I think it's going to be an issue. Um, That's definitely going to be something him and Anthony Lynn are going to have to figure out, which could be a thing with, as uh, Griff was alluding to earlier, it could be something for uh, DeAndre Swift and TJ to rise up and be those short intermediary uh, options for Golf to go through when there's nothing there. Because, let's be frank, the wide receiver room's pretty weak. Um, You did say Amon Ross-St. Brown could be pretty good, which maybe well, we'll see um they signed Tyrell Williams as their number one and he's bounced around multiple teams so he's definitely not going to be the option there and i just don't i just don't see them winning that many games and looking at their schedule it's pretty bad um they have a couple winnable games on there so they might come away with a surprise win here or there because it's really hard to lose every single every single game in the NFL you you have to be just god awful to be that but like I, said, I
2: I think from a divisional standpoint, like, you know, I actually I, I see them at least splitting with Chicago. I see them at least splitting with Minnesota. Um,
1: even that. I, yeah, even that's questionable to me, man, because I mean, I, I'll get into those teams later, but it, it's, it's just questionable because this team, I don't think they're just going to be good at all. I mean, like I said, not Texans bad, but. And and they it's, could definitely get a, get a steal a win here or there, but it, it's just yeah. questionable for them.
0: Yeah, because, like, my whole thing with the Lions is just, like, kind of build—it's like the Lions this year is kind of like where the Jets are, where it's like, you know what, hey, you're starting to build something. Now, obviously, I'm saying this more with the Jets because of after the injuries with Carl Lawson and Vinnie Curry— But build towards the future. Look at what your five-year plan is. That's why Dan Campbell got a six-year deal off the hop to go and coach Mm -hmm. there. Because, look, they can't just up and fire them in two years if they're bad. They know, look, we're in this for the long haul. And there's a chance they're probably going to be picking top five. But I'm just not going to be here, like you guys are saying. They're not going to be the worst team in the league. No.
2: I I just don't think very highly of this division in general. Um, I think that this is going to be... One of those years where the Packers just kind of get fat off of these division wins, and they finish with it, it's gonna suck. It's gonna absolutely suck if Green Bay has the best record in the NFC because, for all intents and purposes, the kind of off season that they had, and just with all this Aaron Rodgers drama, like they they should implode. Um, just from a locker room perspective, but just because the rest of their division is likely to finish with losing records, in my opinion. You know, they could get fat and then they have this unsuspecting um, great record where, you know, people think that they're better than they actually are. Um, But that being said, I do think that they're going to be the only team in this division with a winning record. I think that Chicago, you know, somehow snuck into the playoffs last year, backdoored their way in. And Fields, yes, there's promise, but rookie quarterbacks almost always struggle. Minnesota coming off. A horrendous year defensively. And they're obviously preparing to make the transition from Kirk Cousins in the not too distant future. And we all know his track record against quality opponents. So they're going to do what they always do. The Vikings. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some pretty flashy performances from cook and JJ, but I think it's just going to be a repeat of last year. There's going to be some good offensive performances and ultimately a middle of the road record and no playoffs. And the Packers are probably going to win the division by at least a three game difference. I would say.
0: My whole thing with the bears is, and I, I'm going to say this quickly. I don't think Matt Nagy is fired at the end of the year. I don't think Ryan Pace is either. And, I like, I've seen most Bear fans go, and shout out Tommy because uh, no resident Bear fan of the show. You don't want to start Fields right away because I keep saying this. Like, you, you, like, how do I say this? You really want your first game in the NFL going up against one of the greatest defensive linemen in the history of the league? No. Like... Because basically Fields and uh, not Fields Nagy and Pace can kind of go to ownership and basically say, "Hey, like look at what Mahomes was," and they can kind of hope for not a Mahomes ish career for Fields, but like, hey, in the second year he comes in he plays well. But I still think, I think this year for the Bears it's going to be that like eight nine season, you know, where maybe hey they they snatch a game or two here and there, but at the same time too they look kind of ugly because if you look at them, they didn't really do anything to get better. They lost a lot on the defensive side. They lost Kyle Fuller to the Broncos. Um, The one thing I think that could help them is if like Khalil Mack, uh, Khalil Mack resurgence to to a DPOY level, and even someone like Eddie Goldman who opted out last year. And then Roquan Smith, I think is a player. A lot of people in the Chicago area are expecting that a leap. But for me, it's just that they don't really have a whole lot of offensive weapons unless, like, say, a Comet comes out of nowhere and performs. But, Jared, I'm going to go against the grain. I honestly think that the Minnesota Vikings are a dark horse in the NFC. I'm only saying this because their defense has gone better. Mike Zimmer is a defensive head coach, and it's an, even, it's an odd year. In an even year, the Vikings suck. In an odd year, they make the playoffs. So I'm going off that math where, look— in the 2017 season, what happened? They made it to the NFC Championship game. Now, obviously, that's a very painful memory for our other panelists on tonight's NFC Preview Edition show. But you know what? That's just that's how the cookie crumbles. And then with the Packers, I'll say this. Their season either will end in success or that whole last dance thing everyone's going to laugh about. You know, I referenced the whole Brady meme thing earlier, where it's kind of like pushed aside. Oh, hey, it was what it was because they won the Super Bowl. If they had lost the Super Bowl, that would be brought up so much, where it probably would have gotten to Tom. So that's why I'm saying it with this whole last dance thing because look, mm. the, the the Packers are going to s- just sneak their way in and win 12 to 13 games this year. Like it's going to happen, but. I would love to just – just, but based off the season that they've had and everything, the fact that the last few years they've kind of, like, snuck their way into the one seed. I'm only saying that because of, like, results where, look, they're – I think 2019 the saying should have had it, but there was a couple games that they didn't go their way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, like, look, for the Packers, it's shit or get off the pot. That, that, that's an honest opinion for me, for the Packers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you either got to win it or blow it the fuck up.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean – uh, like the off seasons have been with the Packers with the whole last dance whole thing. It's just, you, you definitely probably see Aaron Rodgers leaving after this season, unless something changes. And I mean, it's not like they did a lot this off season. I mean, they got Randall Cobb back, but I mean, what's that going to amount to? It kind of just made him happy that, uh, because the office, the front office hasn't been treating their veterans, uh, with any care, really, um, according to what Rodgers is thinking and what other people have thought, I don't follow the Packers that much to keep up with, but that's what I've heard. Um, as far as the Packers go, I feel like they're going to blow out the division. It's going to be, like, like, you guys said, it's not going to be close. Their main issue was their other cornerback opposite of Jair Alexander, um, Eric Stokes. He's not, he's not going, he's not going to be the starter anymore. I think it's Kevin King now. So I think that's a marginal upgrade. So you should see a little bit better stuff there. Um, Devontae Adams should be a beast. He's going to be amazing. Um, as far as the other two teams, I think the Bears are kind of fun to talk about since they have the quarterback thing going on. Um, they got Andy Dalton, who's slotted to be the starter for it, for it first. And I mean, look, Andy Dalton's going to be better than Trubisky. It's, I mean, Andy Dalton's not a great quarterback by any means, but he he, he can do enough. He doesn't just like make these boneheaded mistakes, and if you give him enough around him, he can make some stuff work. And, I mean, they have Allen Robinson, who is a fantastic underrated wide receiver. Every year he just puts up numbers, and he's very consistent. So that's definitely going to help them. Um, Outside of him, there's not a lot. You'd like to see Darnell Mooney take a step up for them. Um, David Montgomery had a fantastic season last season, but we'll see if that continues with him. I think he's a little overrated myself. Um, And the defense, like you said, Griff, they've lost some pieces. So I think they're going to take a slight step down, especially because that offensive line does not look good. And that's definitely a problem and something that could lead to Justin Fields getting onto the field uh, sooner rather than later. um, Because whenever you draft one of these first round quarterbacks, the fans will be clamoring for them to get on the field. Once their uh, current quarterback is struggling, it's it doesn't take very long in most cases, unless you have, A solid stability there, like with the Chiefs situation where they had Alex Smith there, who was good enough to get the Chiefs where they needed to be, where the fans weren't just unhappy about it. But I think it could happen here with that offensive line giving Andy Dalton troubles. And looking at some of the preseason games, Justin Fields, man, he was running for his life. It's going to be looking like how the Seahawks had with Russell Wilson for... Uh, quite a few years after the Super Bowl, where their offensive line was subpar and he was having to run for his life constantly. It's going to look similar to that. Um, as far as the Vikings go, I think they'll be a good team who will be kind of, kind of like the Saints. I think they'll be kind of vying for that, one of those wild card spots because um, the offense is going to be great. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, they're, they're, they're going to be amazing. Um, Kirk Cousins, he's good enough to get you where you need to be. And the defense, it, it could be all right. But that, that's kind of my two cents on, on the whole division outlook.
2: You know, man, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Justin Fields running for his life and Drew, I'm glad <laughs> you mentioned uh, some of the defenses that the bears are going to be facing this year, because when you're talking about a team that um, if they're not going to be a playoff team this year, they get off to a rough start right around the time. You'd expect the rookie to slide in would be about that, you know, one third mark of the season. Well, let's see who the bears are playing Um, as that first half of the season is
1: uh, they got
2: they got a four game stretch against the Buccaneers the 49ers the Steelers and the Ravens granted there's a bye week in between but that's four really really tough defenses in a row for a rookie quarterback not to mention with Andy Dalton starting the season two of their first three games are road games against the Rams and the Browns I mean you look at this and then oh and before that buck stretch they played the the Packers right before that a road game in Las Vegas this just screams them falling into a pit that they can't climb out of starting the season like two and seven or something like that
0: also that Steelers game is on Monday night football as well it's the thing this the Bears for some reason have more Sunday night football games than the New England Patriots this year I'm, I'm sorry that's just me bitching about my team but I'm on if I look at the schedule right here I think that that October 3rd, week 4, game against the Lions, or Vegas is where you're probably going to see fields come in. Because mm. yeah. the yeah. way I look at it, I'm going to put in this in the wrestling terms, Jared. It's like if you have this new... Or like or Because we were talking about this off-air. It's like, say, if you want someone to have a squash on AEW. You're not going to put Adam Cole in that situation. No, you're going to put a superstar where, you know what, hey, they're not exactly a main event caliber talent. Justin, Andy Dalton is that. So Andy Dalton's the jobber, and Justin Fields is the guy who you're giving the push to. So that that's just the wrestling terms way I look at it for this whole situation. Where <laughs> That's why I said it. Because imagine, it's like I said earlier, you really want Justin Fields' first em- memory in the NFL on primetime on NBC in a brand new stadium running from his life from Aaron Donald? No, if Matt Nagy does that, it does not look good. Because I feel it's like Matt Nagy it. right now is in a lose-lose situation where... If he doesn't start Fields, it looks bad. But if he starts Fields and Fields looks like crap, he looks bad. There's no winning you for Matt Nagy in this situation. If I was –
2: honest, if I was Nagy, I would start Fields week four against Detroit. It has to be – honestly, at home against Detroit, one o'clock game, weather hasn't gotten too cold out yet. This has to be considered the easiest game on their entire schedule. I mm-hmm. mean, that's where I would do it to at least, like – that's the best place for him to shake the butterflies and then it's going to be an onslaught after that. But Hey, you just look at the supporting cast. You look at who they're up against this year. It's just not going to be their season. And as a giants fan, I will be rooting very aggressively against the bears so that that draft pick is as
0: high as it can possibly be. (laughs) The only thing I'll say too is, is I feel like Mike Zimmer's seat is hotter than Nagy's just because of this whole Justin Fields stuff, because we all know if the Vikings have a bad season, Mike Zimmer is gone. My only concern with them is that Clint Kubiak has not looked good in the preseason when it comes to coordinating an offense. Sure. The
2: Vikings, I definitely, there's the potential here that, you know, they have a playoff caliber roster and they could be a fringe contender. I actually think that with the seventh wildcard spot, it opens up the opportunity for them. I think they're going to be in the hunt. I think what it is for me is this defense is just ancient. I mean, come on Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson have to be a combined, like 110
0: years old at this point. So, um,
2: yeah. Like, they had to release this.
0: their other guy Gladney because of a horrible domestic violence issue.
2: And he played like crap to begin with too. So there you go. You can chalk him up to a first round cornerback, cornerback bust. I know all about that from, uh, the, uh, DeAndre Baker fiasco. So, uh, yeah, um, bad luck for the Vikings on the defensive side of the football lately. But I mean, they did bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, who uh, will help them out up front. They still have Daniil Hunter, who has the obviously has the potential to be a premier passer, uh, pass rusher in the league this year. So yeah, I mean, it, I, I see it being fringe either way. They'll barely get in, or they're barely miss out.
0: A hundred percent. But anyway, guys, like we said, we're going to save the best for last because the most intriguing division is the NFC West because you have so many teams who can do stuff. And I know everyone says like there's only three teams in here, but part of me likes to believe in the Arizona Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray can be it. But here's the thing. I don't think anyone's seat as a head coach in the NFL is warmer than Cliff Kingsbury's.
1: I definitely mm. agree.
0: Just because the yeah. look, and also here's the thing with Kim, Steve Kime, who's gone, who's Teflon. Like, if you go back, I've said this multiple times in the podcast. If you look at his rec, his draft history from 2013 when he became GM onward, he's only really hit on two first round picks. A lot of the guys are not in the NFL. The only one like DJ Humphrey kind of made strides when he got his second contract, but apart from that, a lot of the guys who he drafted are either not in the league or in low positions, like Josh, uh, Josh Rosen, and he's also like. Arizona is a team where I feel like it's like the Vikings. They're either a fringe wildcard team or they're missing the playoffs.
2: I think that that's the case just due to the competition of their division. Um, I think that when you talk about, you know, third year leap contenders, uh, you know, with Kyler Murray taking such a huge leap forward last year, I think that the potential is totally there for him to be top 10 quarterback in this offense Really? Uh, starts churning out the points, obviously losing Kenyon Drake um, and replacing him with James Conner, essentially the running game is a little bit questionable. Uh, We know chase Edmonds is a good pass catcher, but they, they don't necessarily have a dependable guy that can pound the ball. But with Deandre and Christian Kirk and AJ green is just gravy at this point. Um, Defensively. I think that Isaiah Simmons, if they are able to really find if find a way to fully unlock the playbook with that guy, that's what's going to take their defense to the next level because he, he was drafted to be this you know jackknife guy, and they kind of couldn't find, they couldn't figure out where to put him last year, so he ended up really suffering in terms of the amount of snaps he played, so he's the type of guy who, uh, he's so versatile that if they find a way to really unlock his full potential, he's going to elevate this defense. Uh, that being said, I, I don't, me like everybody else, I don't see them winning the division, but Heads are going to roll if they don't make the playoffs. Because, I mean, yeah, the division's tough, but, I mean, they've invested a lot into trying to make this team great. And there's so much talent here that it it would honestly be a big head scratcher if they're not able to find a way to... Yeah, they got some tough competition, but good teams beat other good teams.
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to be a theme with this conference is these teams, I think they're all really good. Because I honestly could see... I mean, it's it's not really a a, it's pretty an an easy take to make because I think three of these teams are going to make the playoffs Um, as to which three teams it is. I'm not sure, but it's it's definitely going to be three teams from this division making the playoffs. I believe Mm. Um, the Cardinals, um, they could make that push. And it's just I know Cliff Kingsbury brought the air raid offense and made it his own the way he does in the NFL. And that's definitely something you, we have to see and see if uh, he can keep developing that and keep developing with Kyler Murray. Um, definitely something to keep the watch of. That would, that would be an interesting thing now to think about it, seeing Joe Brady come over to the Cardinals and work with uh, Kyler Murray. That'd be interesting to see if Cliff Kingsbury ends up getting the axe this offseason. But um, the the Cardinals, they started off hot last season, and they kind of fiddled, fizzled out as the season went on. Um, but, I mean, they have some favorable matchups. This year they play both the Lions and the Texans. So you'd like to give them just two easy wins there. I pretty, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think they all play the Lions and the Texans. So th- th- those games are going to be massacres, I believe, um, mm. each week. But you never know. They, they could come out in surprise. You never know with uh, NFL teams. it's it, it could happen. But the Cardinals, I, I think they're, they're going to be that team that's kind of pushing towards the end there. They could be one of those teams that's kind of pushing like Eight and nine, nine and eight, maybe competing with the Vikings and the Saints um, for that last playoff spot. Maybe all four teams in the division somehow get in. That would be pretty unprecedented to see. Unprecedented to see, um, but yeah, that's kind of what I think on the Cardinals.
0: My whole thing on the Cardinals is just that, and I'll say this too: last year, if you guys remember that infamous Bills Cardinals game. Both teams kind of went in separate directions after that. Like, the Bills losing that was actually a blessing in disguise for them. And the Cardinals, that's where it just went downhill because then they had the loss to Seattle and the Patriots and then the Rams and then they beat the Eagles and the Giants. But besides that, they didn't really do much. And the reports out of the Cardinals camp is that Michael Bidwell was really pissed about that last year. So I think if they have a bad season, they miss out. It, It scorched earth. I think Kime and Kingsbury are both gone.
2: You know, what's uh, interesting about this division, Nate, the, I feel like the, Car- the Cardinals seem to be, um, I guess, the common pick to finish last. But the Niners are the ones with the quarterback controversy that, that worries me because they got every other box checked but that. And typically, teams with a quarterback crisis situation do not thrive. Usually that's considered a rebuilding year. And with this uncertainty surrounding Garoppolo and Lance, I feel like that's going to hold this team back in terms of being great and might even open the door for the Cardinals to finish second in this division because the Seahawks... I feel I feel like they're heading in the total wrong way defensively and I'm not, I'm going to say they could be headed for a this is a worst case scenario but a rich man's Atlanta Falcons type situation where they win these wild shootouts because they got Russell Wilson, DK, and Lockett. but you know some would argue Carson could regress and defensively, they were kind of a mess for most of the last season. So I think Awful that the Rams... contract, are, Adams. You know? Yeah. So I think that the Rams are probably the most sure thing. And that's why myself and, um, you know, you hear a lot of analysts talking about them as being the division favorites. I feel like most secure in picking them at number one here. But... It it really wouldn't shock me at all if Arizona finished second because there is a clear plan here. They know exactly what they want to do this season. And you, you could you could argue, like, you know, Seattle, they got a game plan as well. Um, but just heading – again, I feel like Arizona's defense has the potential to take a big step forward. Seattle's continuing to take steps back backwards. And then when you throw in that San Francisco uncertainty – I feel like the Cardinals, whether it's second or third, they are going to make the playoffs this year.
0: Um, one thing I want to say about the Niners quickly, I'm just going to, sorry, Matt, is I feel like Garoppolo is going to start, but the second he is bad, he's getting yanked. That's why I feel like, I feel like they're like, I feel like Lynch and Shanahan are almost like just thriving at that chance for Jimmy to fail. And then as soon as that happens, it's yep. No, we're making a quarterback change. That's, that's just how I feel like. And that could be, because And even even with the Niners, too, the fact that you have a brand new offensive coordinator, brand new defensive coordinator, because Salah, Salah took uh, LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, with him to uh, New York. So we'll see where that goes. Um, one concern I also have with the Niners is Nick Bosa, because obviously I know he's a stud of a defensive end, but that injury, you don't exactly bounce back immediately when you're on the defensive side of the ball. Now, he may prove <laughs> me wrong. But I'm just saying that's something to look out for with the Niners. And, but the one thing I will say, though, offensively, I think Trey Sermon will be RB1 by Week 7.
2: One thing about them with the running back situation, um, Sermon, I think, has a lot of potential. But going into this year, you know, taking Lance third overall, and again, having that kind of uncertain um, quarterback situation, with how well Jeff Wilson played last year, I really thought they would have made more of an effort to retain that guy because, I mean, maybe he I wasn't he
0: got hurt. hurt. Sorry to cut you off, but I think Jeff Wilson got hurt. I don't think he got – I don't think he resigned. Like, I think he stole the team. I think he's just out for the year.
2: Oh, shoot. Well, all right. That, that's my mistake. I thought they let the guy loose. Well, all right. That kills the entire tangent I was about to go off on. So you can probably cut right, this Jared. part out and to save me the the embarrassment of looking stupid in front of everybody. but uh, <laughs> Or maybe you keep this in because that was a funny promo bit right there. Oh, it's fan. Up
0: to you, Griff.
2: Up to yeah, you. Yeah, no, he's
0: not – he signed a one-year extension um, on January 26, but he was placed on the reserve pop list on August August 31st.
2: Huh. Yeah. All right. That would have been actually – yeah. That would have been a big tool for that. Because it, it, it wouldn't have made sense to me. It's like, like, why cut a guy loose after a performance like that last year? I, th- I thought he signed somewhere else. It's my mistake.
0: It's all good. Sorry to cut you off. I just want to make sure like that people – know, like, hey, that, like, not that we always get stuff right, because we always get stuff wrong, but I just wanted to, like, let you know, hey, this is what's actually going on. It's happened to me. It's happened to others. It'll happen multiple times in the show, but you know what? That's the fun of this. I don't I don't edit anything out, unless it's something that's, like, teetering on, like, either controversial or someone says something really, really bad, but I've never had yet to do that, and hopefully I never get to do that.
1: hmm um, As far as the 49ers go with their whole thing um, and Kyle Shanahan there, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's a fantastic head coach, especially on the off- great offensive mind, one of the best offensive mind coaches up there with Sean McVay and Sean Payton. Um, they definitely have to figure out this quarterback thing, and he's been saying they're going to have, like, there's been rumors of a two-quarterback system. I don't know how that's going to work. You, you see that in college, and I'm just not a big fan of it because these quarterbacks need to get in a rhythm because – Completing these passes and getting these, uh, especially when you're kind of going up tempo and stuff, you, you have to have a rhythm going to you, and you have to develop these chemistry with these players. Um, 49ers across the board, they have a really good roster, and it's just the fact of they need to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. And if they want to, they could just keep Jimmy Garoppolo out there. He's good enough to get you where you need to go. Um, with their great offensive weapons, Brandon Ayuk should make even even more strides he was looking fantastic last year a lo- as a lot of the wide receivers were um I think you'll definitely see a lot of these two year, second year wide receivers still making strides on that um Debo Samuel um will he be more healthy this year um Trey Sermon as you alluded to and Raheem Mostert what are they going to do at running back it's kind of like a, a revolving door there because they always get hurt um kind of reminds me of the Saints one year where we just had to keep cycling through running backs but I mean it's bound to happen to every team because that that's one of the most injured positions in football um so it's, it's definitely a question mark with the 49ers just because of that quarterback thing what are they going to do there um I, I mean honestly I'd probably keep Jimmy Garoppolo there because we've seen these quarterbacks from like Carson Wentz from North Dakota State which is the same situation with Trey Lance how the The competition in that and that level of college football is a lot weaker, and it's a lot different. And Trey Lance, I, I feel like they only played like one game last season, and he did not look too great from what I remember. And I think it was against a uh, University of Arkansas at Conway, and it was uh, not that good. So I think there's definitely going to be some kinks to work out. Uh, you see it with Jamar Chase on the Bengals; uh, he's missed quite a uh, quite a few games in college. And now he's back in the NFL after the draft. And it's going to be a similar situation with that where you got to get the kinks worked out because COVID kind of messed up a lot of college schedules. Um, as far as uh, the other teams go, like with the Seahawks, I think you just got to let Russ cook as they were saying all last season. Um, let, let him do it. I know Pete Carroll's been saying he wants to go back to where they were running the ball a lot with Chris Carson, but Chris Carson's a lot older. You do have people like Rashad Penny behind him there, but I mean, come on. uh, We kind of see how that's going to happen with him and Sonny Michelle being first-round running backs. Um, Hasn't panned out quite well for either of them. Um, But I I think the Seahawks are going to be good, mainly just because they're all— as long as you have Russell Wilson, you're going to get somewhere. He's a great quarterback. He's one of the top guys in the league to me, and— the defense could do just enough um, to get them along. And when you have offensive stars at wide receiver like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, the play-action game is amazing once you put all, put that all together. Maybe if they do run Chris Carson more than they did last season. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I'll get to the Rams in a little bit.
0: One take I have about the Rams is, though, quickly, if the Matt Stafford experiment doesn't work out, How soon before that do we start kind of questioning Sean McVay as a coach? Like, I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. Obviously, I know he's a great head coach, but I'm just saying one of those, you know, one of those things where it's just like, how many more chances is this guy going to get to go reach the mountaintop, if you will?
2: Well, it sucks because you know they lost Cam Akers too. So it's like you, 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 the onus is really on Stafford to deliver this year. And I actually wasn't one of those people like who thought, "Oh my gosh!" Like Stafford is like a super huge difference maker in terms of an upgrade from Jared Goff. It's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. But it's not like this is you know we're we're going from Dan Winston to Brady, Bill Jones to to. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I was going to say Jones to Mahomes, but um, (laughs) same idea. So, yeah, like – I think that it's tough because you you have Akers who had the potential to be a top 10 offensive player in the league this year, a guy who was absolutely thriving as a centerpiece of this offense, and you're losing him. And I mean, I I do think that this is still a well-coached enough offense that they're still going to have an effective running game. But it's going to be a completely different situation having a committee situation with Henderson and Michelle versus um, Akers potentially being a bell cow. Um, I mean, it depends how it pans out. If if they do, re- I don't think that th- that they should regress with Stafford though. If they do regress, um, and everybody's healthy, that's a point where I think you could begin to question McVeigh. Um, but I, I, I really, I, I think with this supporting cast and just how how well this team's been run the last several years. I'd be pretty surprised if the performance was so subpar that those questions began to arise. I think you might see, let's say they lose in the playoffs and people start jumping to those conclusions. But at that point it would be like, guys, you know, they made it to X round. Let's give them some credit. But I think that with, with this cast of receivers, Woods, Cup, Van Jefferson, um, even Deshaun being a sneaky little deep threat there. Um, Yeah. 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 There you go. And um, I think uh, Stafford's going to help McVay unlock the playbook. I think he's going to be throwing, you know, he's going to be throwing it a lot. um, But I don't, you know, they shouldn't necessarily be in a lot of reckless shootouts with the way that defense plays. And if they're able to still produce that effective running game, I mean, um, I'm not really, uh, you know, entrusting um, Michelle to suddenly uh, rediscover his form from a couple of years ago. But Henderson definitely looked good in games during the early mid of last season before Akers fully took over. So I think that they still have some dependable guys there to create that running game on the ground. And, yeah, I mean, like I, I look at the Rams. I see the class of the NFC. Uh, may not be by a country mile. Um, they might just barely edge out the Packers for the number one seed. Uh, that's my prediction. But I just think they're so balanced on both sides. I think that Stafford's the, you know an absolute upgrade at QB. And um, I just I love the way I love the potential of this group of receivers. I think uh, they got the potential to put up points in bunches, much like they did the last time they went to the Super Bowl. And how can you not have confidence in this defense uh, with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, like two of the best, you know, maybe the best player at their respective position? You know, and they got two of them. So, uh, yeah, I think the odds are in their favor.
1: I definitely agree with you there, Jared. And I'd like to mention Tyler Higbee. Now that uh, Gerald Everett's not longer with the team, I think Higby's going to be a massive part of the offense as well. Um, and Matt Stafford, like you're saying, he's a definite upgrade, like I was saying earlier with Jared Goff. I feel like teams kind of figured out what they needed to do with Jared Goff. And Matt Stafford definitely has way more experience than Jared Goff at reading NFL defenses. And he's put up numbers and stats and – People have always said he's kind of one of the more underrated quarterbacks. Well, now he's on a team that has expectations. Let's see if he can live up to that because the Lions, I feel like they've only had like one playoff game, maybe two the whole time he was there. I know they played one against the Saints, and it wasn't really a close one. Um,
2: It would be two then because
1: they played the Cowboys one year. Okay, so it would be two then. But, I mean, let's see what he can do in the postseason. I think the team's going to be a really good regular season team um i I honestly i think i have them winning the division it's going to be close between them and the seahawks they're probably teetering i think this whole division is going to beat each other up so i think the division winner is probably going to cap out like 11 wins maybe 12 wins just because there's going to be a lot of games won here and there by each team in this division since it's so so strong so that's why i think the packers are going to be the number one seed but as far as the rams go i'd probably predict them to win it just because i think the quarterback upgrade is going to be big enough to overcome the difference between them and the Seahawks from last year. The wide receiver should see an increase in volume, especially since, as you're alluding to, Cam Akers, who got hurt. And I actually traded him in Dynasty like a week or two before he got hurt. Oh, traded, look at you. I traded him and Travis ATN. So they both got oh. hurt as soon oh. as I traded them. So um, if you do any trades with me in Dynasty, I would be, be wary of, <laughs> especially if it's a running back, to get hurt. Uh-huh. So.
0: Um, immediate rejection.
1: Yeah, it, it, it worked out for me, fortunately. But um, I, I think this offense, passing wise, should should look really good. Robert Woods is a fantastic receiver. Cooper Cups is fantastic. Uh, they're both very underrated. Um, the defense, as you were alluding to earlier, should be good. I mean, you have freaking Aaron Donald. This guy is a beast, and I don't I don't see any regression coming to this guy for a while. And he's especially with like some defensive ends can go pretty long into their career before they really see huge regression. I mean, Cam Jordan's been going on it for quite a, quite a few years. He saw kind of a regressive year last year, but, um, it's definitely a position of longevity. And I mean, Aaron Donald, he's just a freaking nature. Jalen Ramsey, of course is good. Um, I just, I just don't see where this team finishes below 10 wins, uh, 10 to nine wins at the, at the minimum. Um, They're just stacked, man, and I I have very high, very high faith in Sean McVay. And I mean, I may hate this team for uh, obvious reasons, Um, but I mean, I mean, with me being a Saints fan, there's a lot of teams that I would hate for obvious reasons. There's been too much heartbreak in my life with the Saints, Um, but that's neither here nor there. But I, I think the Rams are gonna win this division, but it's going to be close between them and the Seahawks. It's going to be a really close race and it's going to be a very fun division to watch all year. There's so many storylines with each team and each team having these expectations and just seeing how things shake out. It's going to make for some good football for the year.
2: Well, they want to I guess- add on Robert Woods. Uh, uh, sorry, Griff. That's okay. Um, yeah. So with Woods, I, just real quick note. Um, I think that with acres being out, Um, I think he is going to see a lot of volume this year. I think he was a guy that uh, was targeting in fantasy scooped him up in at least one league. I think that they liked to, you know, slice in those jet sweeps with him last year. And with Akers out, they're absolutely going to take advantage of that guy's versatility with them needing to be a little bit more creative in terms of how they're going to structure their running game. So I think that he could potentially be a fantasy powerhouse this year at wide receiver.
0: My thing, my my only concern with the Rams is I just feel like their defense without Brandon Staley is going to look a little different, obviously. And the losses of John Johnson and Troy Hill, I think, are... You're going to notice it, but at the same time, too, I feel like where this team's weaknesses are, the like the positives outweigh the cons. I, I, I think the Rams are going to win the division, but if I had a hot take to give on this division, I honestly can see it going LA 1, Arizona or San Fran 2-3, and Seattle finishing 4th. I honestly yeah. can see a world where that happens.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think that's was kind of alluded to earlier. I think that, like, you, you know, again, when you look at this division and there's one team with that glaring defensive deficiency in Seattle and, you know, when when you're a team that, you know, if they're, they're pretty much going to win one type away, right, with Russell Wilson just blowing teams out of the water. And sure, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and he's got, you know... One possibly two elite weapons at receiver to do so, but when you are kind of like drifting into that one dimensional territory, particularly on offense, there's going to be those games where you don't score thirty plus. It's going to happen. So that being, I, I think that's the reason why I think Seattle's ceiling is like eleven wins.
0: No, one hundred percent. And so I asked you guys off air. Who would you – like, if you had to replace a playoff team with a non-playoff team, out of all the teams that made the playoffs last year, the one I would – I I could say the Bears, but I feel like that's easy. I'm going to go a little off the wall, and I'm going to say, if I had to knock a team out, I would say Seattle, and then you replace them with Arizona or Minnesota. I think you one of those two will get in. That's just me. Like, if I had to pick – if I had to pick and choose, just because also, two I don't – I just do not want to pick the Dallas Cowboys because I feel like – For as good as it is for when they're good, oh, it's just so much better for them being just so bad.
1: Yeah, as you'd say, the Bears are definitely an easy choice. I think you can remove them with any of the teams that we had kind of said earlier that are going to be fringe playoff teams. So I think like the Vikings would probably be the easy one there or the Saints, Um, even though the Saints were in the playoffs last season, but they'll just be converted down to a wild card team versus a division winner. And then since you said something about the Cowboys, like I said earlier, I think the Cowboys are going to win a division, so I think I, I would switch out the football team. I said the Redskins earlier. I'm still getting used to that. This team needs a name. Please get a name. Um, the football team which switch, switch <laughs> them with uh, the Cowboys.
0: Accidents happen. That's why they put a, uh, pencil, erasers on pencils.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I I think that um, Griff, I really liked your swap the Seahawks with the Cardinals, um, because I I definitely think that there's a world where that could happen as we just what I discussed, um, but yeah, I mean I would say out of out of vengeance, I will uh, select the football team to be replaced by the Cardinals, although I think the Bears are the easy choice to be yanked out of the playoffs, um because I do think that I think the bears are less likely to make the playoffs than the football team is because for all of my spite, if Washington had a clear answer at quarterback, I'd absolutely peg them for a playoff spot this year. But I I really think that the quarterback situation here is so dire and just so I see this ending badly that they're not going to make it. And Arizona, Arizona, like a, like we went over i think there's too much talent here for and too much pressure to win there's just too much pressure to win like there's going to be hell to pay and and it just seems unfathomable to me that you could have a roster with this many talented players not make the playoffs i mean everybody's pretty much in agreement that kyler murray is you know, on his way to solidifying himself as being among the elite NFL quarterbacks. And it's like, a guy like that throwing a freaking DeAndre Hopkins. It's like, it's like, how can, how can that not be in the playoffs? And, and again, with that emerging defense, with a lot of potential, there, Um, not talking about the 65 year old JJ Watt, they just scooped up, but everybody else, I think it looks very promising. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I think Arizona, man, Arizona, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, 11 wins. I think this is going to be a good team this year, a good, good football team. I absolutely expect them to not only play in the playoffs, but win at least one game.
0: Um, One take I have quickly is, though, if I'm picking a one seed, I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm I'm honestly going to go with the Rams. I think, you know what, I think it's a three-team race between them, the Bucs, and the uh, Packers. I just think that, look... Something's just telling me that, like, I want to be a little more off the grid. I don't want to be the whole generic, like, you know, how it's, yeah, you know, Kansas City's going to run through the AFC and uh, Tampa's going to run through the NFC. I think, because also, sneaky good matchup week three, 425, Rams versus Buccaneers. One to look out for.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, I think yeah, I think the Rams would be my pick for the number one seed as well. May not necessarily run away with it. I don't think any. I'm going to say this: the whole NFC. I don't think any team is going to win 14 games or more. I think that 13 is everybody's seal and Just be the. I think the Packers have the easiest path, but they have some. You know, they, they, there's drama there. There's. Dysfunction behind the scenes and that stuff tends to rear its ugly head. You know, it's a long season, especially with that extra game. I think that's going to hold them back from reaching that, um, you know, 14 plus level Buccaneers. I think they're facing the potential Brady pullback at his age and the Rams happen to play in football's best division. So I do like their chances to, uh, yeah, I, I like thirteen and four for them. Um, you know, I think that they're going to recover nicely from that um, absolute mauling they're going to get Week Six uh, when they have to play the Giants. But other than that, it should be a pretty stellar season.
0: That was a joke. Um, that was a joke. What the, <laughs> no, but one thing I'm just looking at here quickly with the Packers, their schedule. They do have a couple like gimme games, but there's a. It's not exactly like. Easy like they start with the Saints, and then the Lions, and then they go to San Francisco on Sunday night, and then they play the Steelers at home in Cincy and Chicago. So that's kinda of like the cupcake right there. So there's three wins that are more likely guaranteed. Versus football team at the Cardinals on a short week Thursday, which could try to I honestly that's I think it's a trap game for the Packers. And then at the Chiefs. And then versus the Seahawks at the Vikings versus the Rams going into the bye because they don't have their bye until week 13. So it honestly wouldn't shock me if, you know, how in years past where Seattle would struggle and then everyone would be like, just give it some time. And then they kind of, you know, get into the last like five, six weeks and just kick it into another year. I can see a world where that's the Green Bay Packers this year, where they struggle. Everyone thinks like, oh, look, this is headed for an ugly divorce. But then. They click the switch, and then they just make a run and get into the playoffs as one of the top three seats.
1: I know I said it earlier to have the Packers winning, but I think it's going to be a real close race between the Packers and the Buccaneers. I mean, the Packers do have some gimme games because, I mean, they play the Lions twice, so that definitely helps. Um, one week they Yeah, and they, uh, they'll, they'll definitely be resting starters that game. That's, uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, might see Jordan Love be playing in that game, honestly. Um, but... I mean, looking at some of the Tampa Bay schedule, I mean, I don't really see any, like, super-duper tough games. I mean, they play in a little bit of... Yeah, Like um, looking at it, um, I'd have, like, the Rams is of course, one of the big ones. Um, and then, aside from the Rams, the Bills would be a pretty big game for them. But looking at this, I don't see them playing, like, any huge uh, division-winning teams or... Um, big time contenders, honestly. I just don't, I I see a lot of easy matchups for them. So having them slotted at three to four losses, I think is what I said earlier. It's probably about right. So I think it's going to be between the Bucks and the Packers for sure. And the Rams and the Seahawks are just going to beat each other up trying to win the division, in my opinion, to keep them out of contention for that number one seed. So it's going to be a close race between the Packers and uh, the Bucks, but The Packers definitely have some gimme games, but I feel like they have a bit more tougher games because, I mean, they play teams like the Steelers, they play the Chiefs, they play the Seahawks, they play the Rams, uh, they play the Browns and the Ravens. Um, I think it's just going to be a little bit harder for the Packers, but uh, I think Tampa Bay plays more middle-of-the-road teams, while the Packers do have some some teams that I feel like they could just steamroll, so we'll, we'll just have to see how that plays out.
0: I Can I say one the, thing quickly about go. the yeah, box? I was supposed to say one thing quickly about the Bills game. That is a game that Bills fans are probably foaming at the mouth for because if you guys don't know, Tom's all-time record against Buffalo is I think like thirty-one and three. which it's something to point out. Like that city, fucking hates Tom Brady. And half the reason why I wanted the Bills to get to the Super Bowl last year is so that Tom could. The Bills could like get to the mountaintop, and then Tom Brady's waiting there, and then rips their hearts out of their soul.
2: Yeah, I'll say this about the Bucks schedule: um, it's really if the NFC South hits its floor, like let's say you know all this Saints adversity catches up with them, and let's say you know the the Bucks and I'm sorry, the Fan, the Panthers and the Falcons both pretty, pretty much finish just as badly as they did last year. Um, the the Buccaneers could very well waltz to the. N- number one seed because uh, I'm, I'm with, you know, you guys, particularly Matt, you know, um, not a lot of challenging games coming up on their schedule. I could actually uh, pretty uh, well see a maybe seven and one start to the season. I think they dropped that Rams game, uh, you know, being on the road, but they could win all the others before the bye, And then they have that kind of challenging stretch. I mean, there's a lot of, again, it really hinges on the quality of their division because one, two, three, four of their final six games, our divisional games. And outside of that, you get the Redskins and the Giants back to back Redskins giants. And I'm sorry, football team giants and Colts, three consecutive games, three consecutive potential top 10 defenses. So that could be pretty challenging on them. And then you got that Buffalo game is obviously one that a lot of people have circled on their calendars. So uh, this could be a, a case where the bucks start off really hot and falter a little bit down the stretch, which may pre may, prevent them from securing the top seed, but I don't think it's going to stand in the way of them winning the division.
0: Yeah. Like when I say that with the box earlier, like when I said, like, I don't see them like anyone running away, I was just saying, or when I said the generic pick, I just wanted to go a little bit off the grid. Like, I feel like the box very well could win the NFC when it comes to the regular season, George Halas trophy. We'll wait and see. Um, My only thing is, like I said, I just wanted to be different. That's why I went with the Rams. But at the same time, too, I feel like, yeah, the Bucs are going to be that team where, you know, they got off to this hot start, but I feel like, you know, they could drop a couple of games there in the middle of the season where people start to go, um, what's going on here? But if you look at their schedule, their last three games, two are against the Panthers by then, which, Jerry, you're right, they could hit their floor and just wipe the floor with them. And then they get the New York Jets week 17, which... I'm sorry, but, like, mm. putting that game that week, I'm just like, come on, NFL. Give them a challenge. Like, last year, too, the Bucs had Atlanta twice in the last two games of the season, and then the Detroit Lions sandwiched in there.
2: Yeah, see, the Atlanta, the, that Atlanta road game. See, that's the, that's the thing with these divisional games. Uh, again, if um, if Atlanta doesn't have a, a quasi-rebound, you know that could be like the all right you got to win this game because look at the stretch that you're in right so that could be one where it's like you drop that one and depending on how they have fared before and after that could be one of the moments where things get called into question ultimately i i don't think it's going to sink the ship but i i think that i could totally see some moments november early december where people are like oh are the are, you know is the the floor about to fall out for Tampa, but then they'll finish strong again because yeah. Jets 17. Come on.
1: Yeah. And they have two of their harder games on the road. I mean, uh, I think the Saints are still gonna be competitive. So having them on the road on at home will help, and then having the Bills at home will help. And then of course the two Panthers games and the Jets, which very favorable. And uh, I'm just not seeing very many losses on the schedule.
2: I was going to say, Packers, uh, they have that little, that that kind of, their their rough stretch is kind of midseason with Washington, Arizona, Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota, and Rams. That's what they've got heading, uh, you know, their six right before the bye. So they could be kind of the reverse where they kind of, you know, hit a string of losses midseason that closes the gap with them in Minnesota and then they have the potential to kind of you know with Chicago and Chicago Minnesota Detroit as three of their final five that could be their you know
0: moment to run away with things no 100% I agree with you both but um, anyway gentlemen is there there any other points or statements or takes you guys want to make before we uh, wrap up this NFC preview show
1: Jameis Winston comeback player of the year Rams, Super Bowl champions.
0: You know what? I like that. My comeback player of the year, though, Matt, is actually Saquon
1: Barkley. Oh, man. That's definitely uh, one there for you. But, uh, Hell I, yeah. I, <laughs> that's fine. Um, that's going to be my bold take, giving James Winston comeback player of the year.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I can see it happening, too. But at the same time, too, I feel like if Saquon comes back and just rushes for— if he can get to, like, at least 1,500 yards— and is the reason why the Giants are either a fringe playoff team or make the wild card or even win the division, you, you can't argue against it. But at the same time, too, you know what, James, if Jameis comes in and plays like he did in 2019, just takes the interceptions down by like 15 goals, like say if he goes 30 and 15 on the year. That's a successful season for him in my
1: books. Yeah. And. I've heard some people say this, and j- just just kind of like a closing statement on the Saints. Um, Drew Brees, his last two years, um, when he's kind of on and off with injuries, you could make the statement that James Winston's— I mean, it might be blasphemous to hear from some people, but you can make a statement that James Winston could be better than that. Um, definitely, because those are definitely some of Drew Brees' worst career years as a Saint. And, I mean, the possibility of the deep ball being unlocked in this offense again— has a lot of possibilities it's going to be definitely interesting um uh because I, i've been kind of up and down on them um as the off seasons progressed and um to a point where i kind of hit my i was almost at the floor because a couple of year, couple of weeks ago i probably would have had them at eight to seven wins but i'm feeling a little bit more optimistic as a season starting after seeing some of the preseason games but yeah that's kind of my closing statements
0: no, without a doubt, without a doubt. Well, anyway, gentlemen, I'm very glad that both of you were able to join me today, especially I hope that this NFC preview show has been trust-funded approved. But you know what? Like I said, I got I to gotta pay the bank back. Otherwise, Jared's goons are going to come after me and kill me.
2: That's right. We we even got you a low APR on the loan you had to take out to get me on the show. So don't make uh, my boys come after you because it seems like, you, you know, every every few weeks the trust fund is adding more assets. So I would watch myself.
0: As long as YWC football talk is one, that's all I care about. That's it. Well, anyway, folks, like I said, we're less than 72 hours now until kickoff of the NFL season. I hope you enjoy the games. I'll be back Wednesday night with Keegan Stiefel of Pat's Pulpit to get you guys ready and primed for week one. But anyway, thank, big thanks once again to Matt Datsu, Matt Beast, Matt Beast 1419, and, of course, the Trust Fund benefactor himself, Jared Silverclight, for joining me on today's NFC Preview Show. Folks. We're so much closer to the start of football season. Have a good night. And you know what? Can you smell that? That's football in the air. Have a good night, everybody. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready?